previously on the low post. And they're, I thought, third best player this year in Milwaukee, but it's neck and neck with Drew Holiday injured. And it just kind of felt like, here come the Bucks, tanked into this matchup, ready to defend their title, been waiting all year for the avalanche to come, for the, ne- the next gear to come. Like, I was dead wrong about the Bulls. They have really fought hard in the series. That said, the Bucks have been disgusting. Disgusting. To the point that, I, I said this yesterday on TV, I'm like, is something is something wrong with the Bucks? I chalked up the first game where they had a gazillion turnovers. And by the way, they had a gazillion more in game two. They would ha- they have a turnover rate through two games that would have been the worst in the NBA. I chalked it up to like game one. I chalked up to they just don't respect the Bulls. We've seen game one Bud, game one Bucks before, and they got the win. And I would have bet a lot of money that game two was like Bucks by 25. All right, we had our little hiccup. We escaped. We got lucky. Let's lay the smack down. And, and that's not what happened. The Bulls laid the smack down until the end when it got close. And just the turnovers are completely baffling. Passes to nowhere. Literally nowhere. Like, guys aren't where the ball is. Passes to the Bulls, who are not the Bucks. Um, and just so much unfocused offense. Like, multiple possessions where Giannis has Nick Vucevic on him. And Chris Middleton's like, cool, I'm going to take Alex Caruso, the best defender on the Chicago Bulls. I'm going to go one-on-one against him instead of passing to you. They're just wasting possessions in a way that actually reminded me of the way they overlooked favorable matchups and took puzzling shots through the midway point of the Nets series. And of course, they crawled out of that, discovered something about themselves, and went on to win the title. And we all thought, well, well, that will carry over to this season. And... In these playoffs, they've just looked bad. They have an offensive rating of 99 through two games. But the turnovers and the shot selection, bad uh, spacing on defense where two guys help on the same guy, failing to talk out switches. They just suddenly look slow and unathletic, which for a team with Giannis on it is, is kind of remarkable. And thin, too. And just, I'm expecting them to come out tonight in game three and throw the punch that I thought would happen in game two, even without Middleton, who, by the way, looked awful until he made a few jump shots uh, toward the end before the cap thing. But they better because these first two performances have been very dispiriting. Previously on ESPN Chicago 1000's Waddle and Sylvie. Uh, Raul at Logan Square. Don't say anything negative about the Bears. What's up, uh, Raul? What's going on, guys? I'm being optimistic, you know, ever since... The Bulls been in the playoffs, and the touch dip gives in a putback slam dunk. You know, we've been just having bad luck in the playoffs ever since that game that we won against, I think it was Miami Heat. And I feel more optimistic knowing that we're going to play uh, without Middleton, you know, against them. And, uh, and Giannis, you know, I don't feel as bad as I did when we used to have to face LeBron with the Cavaliers of the Heat. I'm super optimistic, you know, I can't wait. I'm going to get drunk. It's Friday night. Go to my boy's Same. house. What are you get drinking? Raul, what are you drinking? Whoa, whoa, whoa. A-ball. <laughs> 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 some Presidente. We're going to drink some cognac. 
Previously this evening on the Girl Step Podcast. Let's have the Chris Middleton combo. That's what I was referencing before. You know, I, I don't think Chris Middleton makes the team worse, despite the fact that they've been way better since he got hurt. Obviously, I think losing that game was kind of a wake-up call, and, and they've just played a lot differently. I will say, I think there was something to what Adam said on the last pod about how Bobby, even though he's not a terrific defender, like just bringing more energy, more lateral movement on defense has helped the Bucks a little bit. And I do think, like, when Chris does return, I think defensively, you're just going to need Chris to do more which is going to be tough considering he's not going to be probably fully mobile. Offensively, I almost wonder if this is a little bit of evidence. I don't think you should take two wins over the Bulls to mean too much of anything. But is it a little bit of evidence that we should take the ball out of Chris's hands a little bit more and get Chris off the ball? Still taking shots, a lot of shots, but do we have the ball in Chris's hands too much? See, the problem with that is the way that Chris gets into a rhythm is by having the ball in his hands and, like, going at his own pace. Yeah. Is that the uncomfortable Chris Middleton conversation? I think just the whole... The fact that they've looked so much better now. I don't... See, yeah, they they have looked better, but it's not, like... It's a correlation. It's not causation thing. I, I, not all of it. Not all of it is. I do think his defense has been really bad. It has. Eight guys play tonight. Bobby, Giannis, Brooke, West, Drew, Javon, Grayson, Pat. Is Chris worse than all of them defensively? Previously, on Titania World Presents. So yeah, we're going to miss Chris Middleton. Like, if you need to hear me say it, we are going to miss Chris Middleton because I think even like the 2018-2019 version of him, he'd give you one good game. It's, I'm just going to say bucks and six. I'm going to predict optimism. It's not like I'm predicting optimism because Chris is gone. I really wish this lazy dude didn't get hurt. Like, I really wish this dude didn't get hurt. We were going to need him. Bright side, though bright side take of because chris is ultimately a ball stopper right chris chris was in jail chris couldn't do anything and so then he's just another nba player who's going to make a shot or not make a shot and we're i'm not saying let, let me be clear i'm not saying we're better off without him but quarter to quarter a lot of times it's better if he's not out there stopping the ball and i think what we saw in the games where it was drew and Giannis, or just drew is that the ball is going to move around the perimeter and now we have guys who can actually attack closeouts in Connaughton and Grayson. Now we can have the ball move around and have athletes attack the closeouts and kick out. Like when it, once the ball gets to Chris, he has to think. And if he needs to get in the point that's gonna in the, in the post is gonna take nine seconds. And he's a abysmal defender and he's a bad rebounder, and you know all that, right? So and his assists at this point are just coming with turnovers. So now Portis has to get another game. Portis or Brook now has to. We need a Portis game just to beat the Bulls.
Porter's drills another. Bobby Porter's eight points already. All of a sudden, has to wear those things. Holiday with the steal. Goes up inside, lays it in. Gotta spins back out. Allen tries another three. Three for three. Grayson Allen. Uh, we just gotta keep doing it. Uh, nothing's working until the game's done. So we gotta keep competing and be active down there. Holiday tries a three. That's good. Drew Holiday from downtown. It's back to 23. Allen drives inside. Lamb shots good and one. Grayson Allen. A fantastic game tonight. Southside, outside, west side. Let's ride. Right, B-side, Lakeshore Drive, and I'm, I'm Chi-Town's finest. Where you at? The whole city behind us. Do we know why this game is still going on? <laughs> <laughs> oh, Manassas! Little exclamation point. And so appreciated by the Bucks bench. To go second in Chicago. Good play by Grayson Allen to get the strip. He goes at the rim and gets the layup. Giannis has been deferring a lot. Get to the rim and flushes it on the left side. Good no-look pass. Grayson Allen pays it off with another three. What a pickup for Milwaukee. He's been running around the screen. Drive, stops, hits off the glass. Grayson Allen, another terrific performance offensive here in game four. It's a 19-point lead, the largest of the game for the Bucks. Levine with Whoa. the miss. Holiday with a hit. Wow. They certainly look like a championship team the way we've seen them respond the last two games. Oh, the spin Giannis under control. Gets to the rim and lays it home. The whole city behind us. Where you at? The whole city behind us. South side, outside, west side. Let's ride. Where you at? The whole city behind us. And for Allen specifically, playing with that unit and playing off Antetokounmpo looked like a throwback to the start of the season when Middleton missed time because of COVID-19. Middleton missed eight games from October 31st to November 14th. During that time, Allen took 12.4 shots per game, including 8.6 three-point attempts per game, and averaged 18.3 points. For the season, Allen had five 20-point games, Three of them happened during that time period, and Middleton's absence in particular played a role in his ability to get loose during those games, just like it did during Game 3. I didn't really talk it over with any coaches, Allen said Friday night of being more aggressive in Game 3 after scoring three points combined on six total shots in the first two games. I thought mentally my mindset was the same. Maybe I was quicker to shoot some of those catch-and-shoot shots I got, but I think it was just being in different spots. Some of those spots, Chris is usually on offense, top of the key, playing off post-ups, isos. I was there, emphasis mine. I was there and got the ball swung. And they collapsed hard on Giannis and drew all game long, so I was able to take advantage of that, attacking closeouts or shooting it and letting it go. So I didn't feel like mentally much changed. I was just in a little bit different spots. Welcome to Tetonia World Presents, my friends. So actually, I thought it'd be fairly funny, at least, at least to me, if the show just ends right there. 
Um, I'm back to the overproduced episodes. I just can't help it. Got back in town this morning, um, late last night, drove to the Deer District, drove back, um, had a great quick uh, bite to eat, and it was just just way too cold, man. Just, I'm not, I'm not built for that uh, cold and rainy life anymore. Um, but so I don't want to say the trip was a dud, but just kind of a lot of driving, but it, it was good to kind of see finally the spot where everything went down. I obviously I'd been there quite a few times when it was being built and in the times I'd go back to Milwaukee, but hadn't been there since kind of, I just kind of wanted to, uh, walk the grounds and kind of do some stuff. And it was supposed to be, you know, less cold didn't end up happening. Um, I have, I'm going to make this really short, uh, cause we're podcasting again, uh, Tuesday with the super guest. Um, no, not you, Riley Feldman, but, um, Riley's going to be on the next one. Uh, the one after the one after, uh, perhaps, perhaps that'll be the second round preview if things go well. So, um, we do, you know what, first we have a couple of questions. I'm not going to hit everything. I don't really think what this podcast is about is just hitting everything or reading the box score. Um, I think this is kind of just more a reaction pod, but, um, <laughs> quite a gratifying weekend. I think we can all agree on that. Question from Satoris FSC at Tazimist, Simist. Satoris Fasi at Simist. Pretty simple question says asks this team as is with Dame would win four or five straight. Yeah, maybe if Dame isn't done. Um, th- this dovetails and thank you for the question. Yeah, that that's that's been the idea this whole time. That's been the idea this whole time. Could we get the second star? You know, the stakes are so elevated. I almost feel like this is a regular season conversation now. Anybody who's been listening to this for a long time knows what I think about all this. I just think it's patently true in the playoffs. And then what you also enjoy seeing is the CJ. This this, um, Pelicans game has been on the background. What an amazing game. What a great playoff. It's almost like Adam Silver can't break these playoffs. All we needed was... You know, not LeBron, Wade, and Bosch on the same team, or not Durant and Steph and Clay and Draymond, you know, together on the same team. Like, that that's really all we needed for... Like, fan bases have to care, right? Like, like I don't think it's... The media's in the pocket of, of ESPN and the, and the TV partners and, and everything and all the kind of entrenched interests, but, like... There's even with all that being said, like it, the the lethargic nature of the regular season and all the kind of bad PR for a lot of different things, like that's just going to get to the fans, and like shout out to the Pelicans, like Anthony Davis betrayed them and Anthony Davis and Boogie Cousins didn't work out, and I don't know what's the deal with Zion. Like at, at a certain point, I don't think I'd be at this point yet, but at a certain point, if I was a Pelican fan, I'd be like Zion can just leave, like we're good without him, but. Great crowds, crowds standing up, crowds making noise, and this is their Super Bowl. This is, I mean, this is their twenty-four and one Warriors game. This is their, this is their um, game three against the Raptors, like the first time around. I think game three. It's it's their big game. Like I'm so happy for these other fan bases that they have this, and I, I still like that's what the playoffs are about. The playoffs aren't really about who wins. 
and these higher level, you know, I'm I'm just at the age now where I'm I'm sick of even the Durant stuff, and I'm not gonna spend a whole lot of time talking about Brooklyn. I don't think this podcast. That, look, this podcast is about how the Bucks are so much better without Chris. It's not you know that's not what this is about. But I just think the NBA always should have been closer to March Madness where it's about the journey and it's about the little teams making the upsets and about these great crowds like Denver too. Good for Denver. They got, they got their one win. Right. But it's about believing that you can beat another team and three the like parody should have came, should have come with three point variants. And it just didn't because these clowns kept like trying to stack the deck and then buy off the dealer. And then, you know, also they had a gun underneath the table and it's just like, with with the feeling that this isn't a rigged game, man, there've been some great games. There's a lot of great young players. There's a lot of great teams, and it's it's pretty awesome. So yeah, this team with Dame would win quite a bit. And frankly, I think I said last episode that I was kind of embarrassed that I didn't see the PJ effect. I just didn't want to believe the PJ effect because I seen old players fall off a cliff and PJ's shooting fell off the cliff in this just the second half of this season so I was not rooting for it but I just kind of figured yeah that would happen uh but watching Chris Paul these last couple of years um I'm also a little embarrassed because I was pretty much on the Chris Paul was a next year with the, the year being 2019. Like Chris Paul was a panic move if we didn't think we were going to get Giannis. Because as much as I am the premier Chris Middleton, like the premier Middleton expert on this planet at this point, like I thought the problem was, hey, he's not that good and he's kind of sketchy and, and he does has a low motor and all these things that are true. But I, I think the thing that I didn't proper, properly grasp because of what we're seeing with the Bucks these last, again, small sample size last couple of games is how much an actual point guard would have alpha dog the whole thing. And, of course, the thing that we did know at the time is I'm not sure if that was going to be great with Giannis. And because, see, wherever Chris Paul was, like, OKC broke the trend of so it's like you're not going to blame him for how him and Harden ends up. You're not going to blame him for him and Westbrook or I don't even, I forget all these pairings. It's like the other day I saw Westbrook was with Paul George and I, and I at OKC and I like completely blanked on that. It's like I just deleted that from my memory. But like Chris Paul had a lot of stuff kind of in bad because of his kind of mentality and kind of player that he is. But you'd always tend to blame the other player just as much if not more. But obviously nobody's complaining about last year's title. I just will say that what these last couple of games against the Bulls who aren't that great, just effort-wise, we'd have been a 63 kind of win team again this year with Chris Paul. And this conversation is not so much about Chris Paul. It's just about how no one has told Chris Middleton, who does not, by the way, seem like a strong personality in any kind of sense of the word at all. He doesn't seem like he has a lot of power or wants a lot of power or talks a lot or does anything every once in a while. Just, just none of that. And why we can't, why nobody like Bogarted his spot by now 
and told him what he needs to do. So it's interesting. So now, of course, and I played the Windish clip and I played this other stuff. I think now everybody's going to see. Again, I'm a really big optimist at heart. It's what's titillating now. What's really, really exciting now is the idea that we're going to be such a well-oiled machine by the time this dude comes back. And of course, you know, the, the excuses that we can now make is, oh, he's, you know, he's, he's back, but he's still a little limited, lim- uh, limited. It's, it's still, he's still a little gimpy. We're going to bring him back real slow. And that dude can just do what he always should have did, which is stand in the corner or stand wherever and shoot. And when he gets the ball, really interrogate whether he should take the shot as he gets the ball. And if all else fails, then pass it not dribble and do any of this stuff, which is what I've been saying the entire time. And that's really exciting. That team beats Boston. Because here's the thing, the Bucks were lazy all year, and some of it was COVID, although every team dealt with COVID. But it's embarrassing we didn't win at least 55 games, 55 minimum. This team could have won 65 games, and nobody cared. And so now, like, because here's the thing about the Celtics. So I think question two, let me go to question two here, because I think somebody asked about the Celtics. Steve Pelly Pell Pelishek asks, "Can the Bucks beat the Celtics, who've been pretty airtight since like January?" In response to that, Daryl Clayton, at DC Bucks fan, makes the claim that if Grayson, Pat, and Bobby hit open shots, and Drew stays at this level, yes, with or without Mitty, they can win. And I generally, I mean, that's that's basically the answer. I guess what I'm saying is, and this is, again, you, you can sometimes stumble into talking about your perception of things. Our perceptions of things don't matter. I just know that if the Bucks won 63 games, like, we'd be thinking the Celtics are a cute story. Right? Like, if we were executing the way we should have executed all years, if we didn't, like, lose back-to-back games to the Hornets and just, you know, the Spurs and all these teams, all these games, like the Knicks... We'd have felt differently about it. We we even like our great moments were kind of hero ball moments. Like Drew takes over. Well, wow, what a really bad game! But Drew took over. Or Giannis did some some great dunks. Or and the exception to those rules were the back to back Nets, um, Sixers games. Like it's a long season. There was a lot a lot of good moments. You guys remember how this season felt? If the Bucks won sixty three games, nobody's scared of the Celtics. We're the championship team. We're going to get the championship calls, and everything should have been fine. And Chris Middleton wasn't the only problem, but he's emblematic and simple. Like, like if if nothing else, we can agree, right? Like not having him on the break, where all he can do on the break is pass the ball. Like all that stuff matters. Grayson Allen went six or seven for three point today in the playoffs. Like Chris Middleton has actually never done that. And look, I'm the biggest. Like he's on, he's on the Bucks. He's on my team. I, like I'm thrilled. Like we're all thrilled when he's playing well. When he plays well in the playoffs, we're we're all really thrilled. Like, but like the nature of how everyone perceives him and how I perceive him too is like if if he goes three for six from three, to you knuckleheads, it feels like prime Kobe, right? <laughs> like like I get it, right? And and but even before even before the last Grayson game, I think two nights ago maybe Saturday night, but whenever it was, Desmond Bain went 6-7. or seven. I was like, yeah, he can't do that. He doesn't do that. That's not what he does. What he does is occasionally go 4-7, for seven and it's, like, really awesome. And Grayson Allen went, I think, 5-7, for 6-7 for, for 3. 27 points tonight, 
or this this afternoon, 10 for 12. Portis looked awesome. Everybody gets off. Giannis, 32, 17, and 7. Like, this this is the blueprint. This, This is the blueprint. And Chris always should have been used as what he is, which is a sniper. And when you think about it, like going back to kid, right? I'm sorry to spend so much time on this, but like going back to kid, and we think about like how kid wanted MCW to attack and hunt mismatches. Like kid's mindset is stuck in the 90s in the aughts, mostly for bad and sometimes for a little bit of good. But we like even like the whole the whole anecdote about like them talking about when Giannis is real young, like who's the best player on the team. Like this is this is out of all the stuff with monkey and with Giannis's shot and all this stuff like. Us turning him into homeless, 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 poor, you know, like underneath the railroad tracks, man's Kobe. That's Jason Kidd's fault. And, but Chris, to his credit, was, you know, smarter than Jabari and a better player than Jabari, but also smarter. And at at the point where he started losing consistently those one-on-one matches in practice, we would presume he also, like, is the guy who forces the ball to Giannis. So that's good for him. And it just turns out that everyone else needs more usage, and we're just a much better team. And then, yes, it's just Chicago. Chicago was pretty good during the regular season, but couldn't beat anybody good. But we're destroying them because everybody has more shot. And then you remember the proper three brothers, these white guys, like, they finished great. You forget that Pat Connaughton can finish great at the rim. He wasn't like Dante. And, like, Grayson's doing, like, scoop windmill finger rolls. Like, they can do that. Like, so on some level, and this has always kind of been the thing with the modern NBA. Like, the NBA wasn't like this in the 80s and the 90s. The game shifted, and then really only your stars were supposed to do, like, non-layup and three kind of things. And I don't think it's blasphemous to say that, yeah, Grayson can, Grayson, all these guys can go and get their shots just as much as Chris. It should have never been just the Chris thing. And... We see the benefit. We're harder to guard. Giannis can make great passes on ball, do stuff off ball. And here's the thing, too. Like, Drew Holiday is a heat-checky guy. Like, his money shots are heat-checky kind of shots. And so what we've seen, and that's why, like, we never got all three of those guys playing good at the same time except Game 5 Phoenix, is because if you're playing ball and you miss a couple heat checks and the other guy who's at your level is is making his shots, then you immediately stop. But we need Drew Holiday, just like Game 7 against the Nets. We need him to just kind of keep doing his thing. And I wouldn't be surprised because, again, Drew Holiday is not that good offensively in in a all-time sense if he falls right back down to earth. But, like, yo, this is the whole thing. We can live with that with one guy. We just can. That Like, that's fine. That's fine. Like, we can live with one guy taking a lot of the secondary shots doing all the secondary and primary playmaking and playing killer defense. Like we can't live with this other kind of guy doing it one game out of three, two. So we look awesome and I'm really excited and maybe we fall back down to earth against Boston, but I can't wait to see it. I can't wait to see it. And so we don't need to rush Chris back, but like if he, if this, if we were, sandbagging it a little bit that'd also be great like if he's ready to come back in game two or three whatever would be two weeks great but this is the template and it's actually really inside it it was like it's exciting this isn't like a game three against the nets kind of win 
where you just kind of hold your nose and you're like, oh, I guess that sort of worked out. Look at this team without Middleton. And if Middleton comes back as a super six man or a super sub or a just a guy who picks his spots better, a guy with a less of the of the pie, the Bucks will beat anybody. That's that's how I feel tonight. So I hope that answers the question. We also have a DM from a mystery questioner who would like to remain nameless. Um, I don't know why, but he wanted to. I'll just read it. Uh, mystery DM. All right, all right. I listened to the latest five minute pod. Thanks for the always conversation sparking content. Appreciate that, bro. Appreciate both the optimism and realism. But I took the Chris versus Celtics aside slightly personally, mostly because I'm extremely sensitive. And there's emoji there to let us know that he's not actually extremely sensitive. But he says, here's my offering. I think in the specific case of Chris versus Boston, his reputation is largely inflated off a couple moments. For example, the 35-footer to force overtime in Game 1. And then Celtics fans on Twitter overemphasizing his efforts against against them in Bucks wins. What I'm saying is whenever Killer Chris is Killer Chris versus the Celtics is mentioned, I think even Bucks fans know he's not aces in every matchup. Yes, look up the numbers indeed, but we bring it up in simply an exaggerated stand sort of way. That's an interesting point. Actually, that's that's a really interesting point, but he, he says more. I want to come back to that. He says, do I make any sense? I'm probably reading it wrong. Just felt like your harmless suggestion was you lumping me in with blind Chris's prime MJ Bucks fans, which is another exaggeration that I'd argue 90% of them don't truly take literally. If any clarification is needed, I probably subscribe to the MKE Robert line of Middleton thinking. So, you know, this isn't from MKE Robert. Chris is absolutely not above criticism and fans banking on another couple of 38-point playoff outbursts are kidding themselves, and then he says some other nice things about the podcast, which I appreciate. I, I don't disagree with any of that. Um, is this? That's interesting. I guess is. I, I don't. I guess I don't think that's true. I don't think the. I just. I. I muted all these cats or blocked all these cats a long time ago. Every once in a while, I see the Chris Middleton is good guy who's still doing the. I just think it's sad that people don't love the book. Like, like again, like nobody told you to make this your bit, but fine. I don't. I actually, I would don't think that people are exaggerating for the most part. But also, Twitter has gotten much worse even in the last couple of years, and it's become far. It used to be kind of a performative thing, and now I think dudes are just kind of hunting for sport every night. And so, you know, Durant is cooked. You know, um, Matumbo meme of Matumbo striking his, kin, his chin. Like, they're, they're people who I know are smart basketball fans who are completely think Steph Curry is a bum. Like, I, I think the level of discourse has, has been kind of in the last couple of years to the point that I think, so maybe you're right, that I think maybe it is now that just people are just saying stuff that they don't think is true. Like I, I tend, like DeRozan's a perfect example. I tend to think people have always felt the way that they felt about DeRozan, which is like un, he's an understandable, I think, player to kind of slot or Levine or these kind of guys. Like if you tell me Kevin Durant is a bum, like nobody would really take that person's opinion too seriously. But I think 
I think a lot of the bandwagon people really think that stuff, which is like I don't. So, so for example, when people like that, like the statistic of like that came up during the finals of like, and I don't even think these should be called stats. Like, like Giannis today they ran the stat on on the broadcast that it was. I think 35, 10, and 5, or however many 35, 10, and 5 games you had, and like then it was LeBron, Bird, and, and Giannis. Th- those aren't stats. Those are odd groupings to make to make a graphic. I, like, I don't really count that. But I think whatever the stat was where Chris had hit 15 shots with, I don't even think it was the last five minutes. Maybe it is. But it was just like in the fourth quarter. Like, And so he played really well in some pitch back and forth games. But it's like, so if one of those Suns game, if he hits like six shots that were – tied or up up to down to like then you're also like i guess only talking about people who like because it was like in, in a single playoff run how many shots did you make i should really look this up to either take the lead or, or tie in the fourth quarter and it's like that's a really like narrow grouping it's beef somebody who had a really long playoff run and he played well in games he played well. But I think that's a dumb stat, and I think people buy those dumb stats. So I think I think probably the older and wiser and smarter you are, which, of course, person X, you're certainly all of those things, then you kind of understand the noise. There's a lot of other people who are, like, mad right now. And so they're um, deflecting or saying things like, oh, look at how everybody overreacted. Well, they don't want to talk about what's actually, like, happening right now, which be kind of what I my take on it and it doesn't matter i just want the team i want the team to do well and i want the team to do well for the right reasons and i think this thing can work and i think like who cares what people think ultimately right but that's that's probably some of the reason that it bothers and it bothered me you know what somebody else that not, not this person mystery x will call person mystery y Five, six episodes ago, whenever that was, was really um, nice back and forth, but couldn't understand. Look, I'll mention names. This isn't the podcast where we don't mention names. I don't think the person liked Nicholas Henkel, but was offended that I put Bucks After Dark in that class, because apparently Bucks After Dark is a fan of all Michigan teams, but adopted the Bucks is what somebody else thought that. And but this other person was kind of doing this whole thing about well why does it matter if somebody isn't born in Milwaukee, Wisconsin? Like why should that matter? And it only matters if there's this weird cult of a player. Like so, if I um, will be a good example of this. Let's say Levine was much better than he was, right? And it's Levine and DeRozan. This is off the top of my head. I'm sure there's a better example. If I'm not a Chicago Bulls fan, but I build up like this whole fan base about how DeMar DeRozan is the truth. And, you know, I'm DeRozan stan and DeMar DeRozan is good and all this kind of stuff. But Zach Levine is like as good as, you know, as Tatum is now. Or like Zach, Le- like if Zach Levine is like a top 10 player in the league, if Zach Levine is basically honest. But I'm like, oh, it's Levine and DeRozan. And, I, and I'm like pumping this and pumping this. And everybody gets into this thing about these two guys and DeRozan. is like basically how playoff DeRozan kind of tends to be or was those whole time with the Raptors. At a certain point, and like you could argue this about CJ, any of those guys who are pretty good, if there's just a cult of people for like retweets and, and 
clicks giving like sketchy information and sketchy stats and just kind of doing a great big bit i do think that like twitter is in real life but twitter matters because people in decision-making capacity care about what people on twitter think um (laughs) i kind of feel like that's why novak isn't here anymore Uh, but like you can lose your job on twitter like there's there's i mean that's a different situation but like i i think it matters that Chris, no one would think objectively that he's not a fan favorite. He's a fan favorite in, in defiance of all sense and logic, right? And on some level, I think that matters a little bit. And if it's some dude doing it who's not a Bucks fan and just adopted the Bucks because of Giannis, and it actually matters, like, like similar, and, and, and you know, like, like the other side of the coin, I would feel exactly the same kind of way if some kind of way there was a Brogdon click. Back when we had Brogdon, Brogdon that did the exact kind of thing and and made it seem like and everything was like, isn't Brogdon better than, you know, Kyrie or whoever these guys? Like we would think at a certain point, I think anyone would agree that that's counterproductive. And why are these people gassing this situation? Because, again, we have one of the top 25 players of all time at this point, and we need to put him with other players. So I hope that sort of answered those questions. Artetoniaworld.com person of the week Michael Starberry bought two or three things a couple of shirts and a sticker got the Bucks and Six shirt in purple I feel like it's interesting I don't really think that what the Bucks are did with their Frankenstein jersey is representative of the purple and green but I think for the purple and green fans just any port in a storm but we'd like to thank uh, Michael for his purchase um Image Award winner of Colin in Black and White, When They See Us, Emmy Nominated, The Inevitable Defeat of Mr. Impete, and many other things. You too can take advantage of all these values when you shop at TetoniaWorld.com. That address again, TetoniaWorld.com. So now my wife is in the room, so I can't really do this with people watching me. So, great. Real quick on the Malika thing. Like, I don't know that we really understand this at at this point. I think, so obviously, what happened in the playoffs happened in the playoffs. Malika drops the story two years ago. Giannis walks off. And I think, for some people, it was kind of gratifying to think that he was mad at her. But I never really bought that. But, like, so now Marcus kind of calling her out on stealing his Bobby Bifocals. It's it's weird on a couple of different levels because it kind of feels like Bobby needs this T-shirt money. And I'm not really sure where all the lines are on all of these kind of things. But it, I wouldn't, I don't know, it, it's not even bears monitoring. I just don't think anybody's going to report on it. And it's just too many, it's too much of a tangly thing. But it is interesting to wonder, like, is anyone actually mad on her? Did she at her for doing this or is it just I tend to think it's probably just a harmless thing but it was one of another hundred things that happened this weekend before I wrap up I do want to mention that the, the so I'm, I'm driving through Chicago uh, me and my wife uh, we're trading driving through Chicago in the rain we turn on ESPN 1000 because we're in the vicinity and immediately that dummy makes that call so that's why that call is part of the opening montage because I just thought that was hilarious and I was like yep we're back in in sports radio in sports radio land i I do kind of 
miss dumb sports radio calls as opposed to podcasts and like like you don't get dumb calls on podcasts the same kind of way but that's why that's there um anything else so it's way past my bedtime let me know what we missed as far as the weekend recap we'll be back wednesday morning tuesday night with a very special guest and probably a couple more yelling to the phone episodes if time permits but thank everybody for supporting the show zip it up zip it out go bucks